0: Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17. Genesis 3 verse 17. Before we read that, I I want you to um, do something for me. How many of you have ever done any gardening or any farming? Anybody? Okay. How many of you have ever dealt with weeds? W-E-E-D-S. Weeds. You got it? Have you ever noticed that weeds choke out the good stuff? Weeds use up the moisture that the good plants ought to have. In fact, your squash will be kind of timid looking if you've got a lot of weeds there. You notice that? And your cucumbers, they'll swivel up because they don't get enough moisture. Weeds will eat up the nutrition that's in the ground and keep your plants from getting it. And what do you have to do with weeds? Got to pull them up, get them out of there, get rid of them. Because weeds will destroy your garden or your field. Same way in our Christian life. Weeds will get you if you're not careful. And there's weeds in our lives as a Christian. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. And unto Adam, he said... Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying thou shalt not eat of it. Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat. The herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face. Shalt thou eat bread. Father I pray. That you would anoint the reading. And the preaching. Of your word today. Now father I pray that the Holy Spirit. Would control this service. May the Holy Spirit speak to each of us. About examining our lives. And getting rid of the weeds that are hindering us from being what you would have us to be. Now, Lord, I ask you that you would take the thoughts that we have and the cares of our lives and other areas and center us completely on the preaching and the teaching and the praising and the worshiping of you as our Savior. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Weeds are uh, something that what, 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 t- tell me this. How many of, what is weed? Anybody know what a weed is? An out of place plant. <laughs> an plant. That's, that's dead on it. That is an out of place plant. And then another thing about weeds, let me tell you this. Some things don't look like weeds when you look at them, but they really are weeds. Sometimes it's tough to tell the plants from the weeds unless you really get down and, ex- and begin to expect it. Be careful with your life because things will come up in your life that are weeds that don't look like weeds. But you still have to deal with them because they are weeds. We were in, had the opportunity to go to Cheyenne, Wyoming. Went to the rodeo there a few weeks ago in Cheyenne, Wyoming. They have a kind of a crocheted name of the big daddy of them all or the daddy of them all. It's the largest outdoor rodeo in the world is there in Cheyenne, Wyoming. We went to the rodeo and then we left there and drove up uh, from Wyoming up to um, uh, Mount Rushmore. And then from Mount Rushmore, we drove into um, Rapid City and then over into Wall, which is the largest drugstore, tourist trap, (laughs) junk assembled place in America that I personally have ever been to. I'm, I'm talking about if you want it, they've got five shelves with it on it. It all looks alike. It's all priced alike, twice what it's worth. And it's there. So we were there and then we drove down into Nebraska. We're driving down the road and my good friend, Steve Kuznar, was with us. My wife and I and and Steve. I'm driving and I notice off to my right is a big field of wheat and I saw the combine going through the field, combining that wheat. Now they don't have Little old 20 acre fields. They don't have little 100 acre fields. They don't have little 150 acre fields. They have fields. Some of them a thousand acres in one field. So he's combining. And I noticed that between the field that he was combining in and the road was another field. Maybe 100 acres. No wheat. But there's a couple of tractors there and some men. So I commenced to putting on brakes got car stopped, wheeled around in the road, and in Nebraska, on most all these roads out there in the country, you can wheel around and then wheel around again and wheel around again if you want to because there ain't nobody coming and ain't nobody going. I mean, you are out there by yourself. you pretty much doing what you want to do. So I went back, went down this little dirt road a little ways where the tractor and the guys was. We wanted to see the combine, combine and wheat because Brother Steve had never seen a wheat being combined. So we got we went up there and the two guys that was there by the tractors, they tinkering with something. And they had an unusual looking plow on the back. Now I know a little bit about plowing. I know a little bit about farming. I am a drugstore cowboy and a um, halfway farmer. So I asked this guy, I said, I never seen a plow like that. He said, no, sir. He said, we made it. Now, there was no doubt in my mind he had made it because I could look at the wells and the way some of the steel was cut and stuff like that. It looked like he had made it. So I I, guess I said, yes, sir. I said, uh, what, what does it do? He said, it's a weed puller. I said, Really? He said, yep. He said, you see this field here we're in? I said, yep. He said, I guess we just plant it every other year. And it'll produce about 40 to 50 bushels of wheat an acre. He said, you see that field over there across the dirt road? I said, "Yep." Yeah. He said, now that field we planted every year. He went into why, but we don't have that much time. I see this thing is going to town up here. And he he told me why. But he said, in that field, we just plow it up. We don't use my weed puller. And we don't let it set out for a year. And it produces about 15 to 20 bushels of wheat a year. So he showed me or began to tell me how this weed puller worked. You see, you can go through with a plow and you'll turn the weeds over and cover them up. And it'll cut some of the weeds off. But in just a little while, when you plow your ground, the weeds come right back up. If you're hoeing it and you hoe with the flat part of the hoe instead of the corner of the hoe, You just cut the grass off, cut the weeds off, and the weed's still there. But when you get through at the end of the row and you look back, it looks pretty good. Because it's clean as a whistle. And you've got rid of what looked like the weeds. So you've done a great job. Until the next day or two, you go back out there and they're popping their head back up out of the dirt. You know what I'm talking about? And then you know immediately... All I'd done was put a Band-Aid on a big cut. I haven't solved the problem. So folks, this morning, I want us to talk about the weeds that grow in our lives. You see that weed killer our weed puller that he had dropped down like a subsoiler. And it would go, he had a big old bar across the back of it. And it would go about two or three inches down in the ground. And it would come just above the root of those weeds and it would grab the root, grab that weed and pull it up out of the ground, turn it back over and lay it out in the sun behind the tractor. Then they'd come through there with something like a hay rake and they'd rake all them weeds up. Then they'd come by and pick the weeds up or burn them, get rid of them. So in our lives as God's people, We have to deal with weeds in our life and weeds are going to be a problem if we're not careful. In first Peter chapter five and verse eight, the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Do you understand that we have an enemy, the devil? All of you got that? This side's got it. Do you you all have it over there? And he is like a roaring lion and he's continually going through your garden, going through your field, and he's planting seeds that are going to be weeds in your life and continually trying to mess up your life and to hinder your spiritual life. The the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 that the Lord is also planting seed and fruit in our lives. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. What the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit is wanting to produce in our lives these good things. They're not weeds. Loving people, caring about people, being kind, being good, having faith, being meek, being temperate. Uh, These things, gentle and long-suffering, they're the fruits of the Spirit. But if you're not careful when you begin to examine your life, you'll find that there are more weeds in your life than there is fruits of the Spirit. In your life. So we have to deal with that. Uh, Solomon said this in Proverbs 24 I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over, with the thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall. There, thereof was broken down. Solomon said, I went by the field of the man that didn't pay any attention to the fact that he had weeds growing. He just kind of let it go. And as I went by there, I noticed that the weeds had taken over in his life, in his field. And it was all covered over. And he said, even the wall around his property was broken down because of the weeds and the vines that was growing therein and there on. So Solomon is telling us that it takes some effort. You can't be slothful in your Christian life. If you are, you're going to get grown over with the weeds and they will take over in your life. Brother Jalen came to me a while ago. I was sitting down there where the preacher is. And in between the two services. Brother Jalen sat down by me and he said, I learned something, preacher. He said, "Uh, I I, uh, learned something that goes right along with your message this morning. He said, my daddy bought three acres of land. That was nothing but a pine thicket. And he said he went in there and cleared out just enough land to build his house on. He said, we didn't clear out the rest of the brush. And all that, that, that time they could have just mowed down. He said, we just cleared out a small place. He said about 15 years went by and daddy decides now that he wants to clear that land out. He wants to get it all cleared out. And now he said, those little pine trees that were about that tall or that tall, whenever we moved on this property, now they're 15 years older. Their roots are way down in the ground. He said, now we're having to to be careful. Daddy's having to be careful where you cut them, which way they fall, where they fall, how they fall, and all of that. And he said uh, that daddy told me uh, one day later, he said, you know how to get rid of a pine tree? And he said, no, sir. And he said his daddy reached down, and there's a little pine tree about that tall. He reached down, pulled it up. He said, you get rid of them when they're about this size because you can pull them straight up out of the ground, tree, root, and all. I'm sitting there thinking. Now, he, he's a good singer, but he's not real bad, apparently preacher. Because I got to thinking to myself. Now, that, that's pretty good stuff. You ever been there? You you little thing. Weren't a whole lot to it to start with. If just growing small root, you could have got rid of it immediately. You could have said to her, honey, I'm sorry I said that. She'd probably said, Okay. Y'all went on and had a hamburger. But no, you didn't do that, did you? You take that little thing and you actually fertilized it. You come right back and you needled her to death. You wanted to bring it back up. I've been there. I've had me a bag full of them little pine trees. And I've seen them grow to be great monsters. You you know the kind a weed gets in your life, and you're fussing, and you're mad with her, and she mad with y'all you and y'all not really speaking except to just grunt as you go by each other in the hallway. And about two weeks go by you don't even remember what you're mad about. I'm talking about for real. You don't have a clue. Now you remember a lot of the stuff she didn't do during that two weeks. You remember a lot of stuff she did do during that two weeks. But you don't remember what started over. What I'm trying to say is if you'd have just pulled the silly little pine tree up at the very beginning and done away with it, right then we'd have been a whole lot better off. Amen. 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 I've had them pine trees and they just aggravated the tar out of me. So I'm going to teach her a lesson. How many of you men have taught your wife a lesson? Don't lie to me. Pick your hand up. I'm going to teach her a lesson. You know how we do it sometimes, we men. You get in the bed and you know that little old rim that goes around the edge of the mattress? You get right over there, right by. She's over there. And you're sitting, you get just as far as you can. And, and, and even one cheek's hanging off. Oh, yeah. And you just sitting there. you just laying there. you teaching her. Yeah, yeah. you getting her back. Uh-huh. She's going to learn a lesson. That she needs to learn. Y'all getting it up here in the choir? I'm up there in the, what's that called? The balcony, up there in the back. And you sitting, you laying there on that little strip, not moving a bit, you're not going to touch her? Uh uh Icicles will melt before you touch her. And it's going to your mind what you could have said to her, how you could have cut her back how you should have just done it to her. You could have just put her in her place. And you just lay in there. And all of a sudden, at the darkness of the night. (laughs) (laughs) She's over there snoring. Your your tree's growing (laughs) on your little spot. She ain't even worried. She's sound asleep. That's about the only time it's good to just. You just want to teach her something, don't you? We do that in our lives. Now, there's a lot of truth to that little story I just told you. Don't run by that. If you'd have just stopped, pulled a tree up when it started, gotten rid of it, it would have never dominated your life now there's all kind of trees that come up in our all kind of weeds that come up in our life I want to mention a few of them the weed of ingratitude we live in a world that expects a lot we call it an entitlement mentality Sad to say, but true to say. Most of our younger generation have a bad dose of entitlement mentality. But they're not the only ones. A lot of us do as well. We feel that we have no gratitude because everybody owes it to us. It's what they're supposed to do. Is beat this. They're supposed to give us this. They're supposed to do this for us. An entitlement mentality. You know, men, when's the last time that you looked her straight in the face and said, Honey, thank you for the clothes that you wash for me. Thank you for the shirts and the underclothes that you fold for me. And you put it in the drawer. Thank you for the meal that you just cooked. It was tremendous. I really appreciate it. How many of you have seen that weed of ingratitude grow in your life and it springs up and you all of a sudden begin to just take things for granted? <clears throat> Do any of you remember whenever you did not have an air conditioner? I was raised without an air conditioner. Can you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> Cruel and unusual punishment. If there's ever been parents who were abusive to their kids, mine were. I, had to, I was raised with an attic fan. You know, you crack the wind about that much, grab the sheet because the wind pulled pull it off of you. You grab the sheet and you hang on. Sweating, but you didn't know it was hot. You didn't know you were being mistreated. You didn't know you were miserable. You just went to sleep, rolling in the sweat, and thank God you had some under you. But we have developed weeds of ingratitude in our life. We need to express our gratitude. When's the last time you went to God? And you just express to God that you were thankful for what Jesus has done for you. I'm not talking about when you get saved. I'm talking about after you've been saved for a year. After you've been saved for 10 years or 20 years or 40 years. And you just say, God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for your blessings on my life. I thank you that I have two arms. I thank you that I have two eyes. I thank you that I can hear. I thank you for the blessings that you give me. God, I thank you for the home that I have. Amen. The sin Amen. and the weed of ingratitude can eat us alive. Ingratitude uh, produces a self centered life. Listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, show your gratitude. Get rid of that weed of ingratitude in your relationship with God. You'll begin to be able to come to church. You'll enjoy being here. You won't be looking for something that's wrong. Oh, and and let me tell you this. Don't have this entitlement mentality. Can I say something about this <laughs> There's probably some of you in here, good people, but you haven't tithed ever, or some of us maybe haven't tithed in months or years. Now you do tip God. huh? You, you'll look at your blessings and you'll say, you know, you blessed me a little and you'll, you'll pull out a 20. Just put it in the orphan. Maybe a 10. You'll pull out a couple of ones but you haven't tithed. Don't be guilty of the entitlement mentality. It does cost to burn this air conditioning. And if we all do what we're supposed to do you know God's got a plan that'll Finance every bit of it. And it takes money to get the gospel out and to get people saved and to keep them out of hell and to head them to heaven. It takes money. So don't let that weed of self-centeredness and ingratitude grow in your life and keep you from being a part of the finances of the church of God. Amen. Another thing that it does. Weeds in our lives not only produce ingratitude and self-centered or self-centeredness, but there's that weed of unforgiveness. That weed grows and that weed will get real big, real quick. Have you ever seen some bushes that grow big, quick, and then some of them it takes forever, but not this, this weed of unforgiveness. In our churches, we have people Our churches are filled with people that are filled with unforgiveness. Let me ask you this, girls. Who is it and what is it in your life, ladies, that you just won't give it up? You just won't let it go. You just don't forgive. You're holding that grudge and you feel like, That you're totally and completely justified in holding it. You're not going to forgive them. You say, but Brother McCormick, you don't understand what they done to me. No, I don't. And probably what they done was uncalled for. And was unwarranted. But the truth of the matter is, they may not even recognize that they hurt you like they have. So what do you do? Do you just hold the grudge, sleep on your little old corner of the bed over here? You don't talk to them. You don't go by them. You don't shake hands with them. You don't express any gratitude. You don't invite them to your house anymore. You don't call them anymore. you just sleeping on your side of the bed. Why don't you just let it go? Just let it go. It probably is not worth what it's costing you to hold on. What it's robbing you from. How it's coming between you and the Lord. And you say, well, nobody knows that I feel that way about her or him. More people know than you think. They watch your attitude. Now, I told you in the beginning, some weeds don't look like weeds. And you may think you're smoothing it over and getting by with it. Then, fellas, why don't you just up and forgive her? Just let it go. How many good friends have you lost over a little small pine tree? that really if you just made an effort, you could rekindle that friendship. You could rebuild that relationship just with a little weeding out of unforgiveness in your life. Because the unforgiveness will eat you up. Now, me personally, uh, I, I think sometimes that Maybe nobody deals with things that I have to deal with that I'm kind of like, like you may feel sometimes. Like you kind of get the raw end of the deal. You know, nobody else has gone through what you're going through. If anybody else is going through what you went through, they'd understand how you felt. Well, the Bible says in First Peter four twelve, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. What the Bible is saying, it didn't happen just to you. Other people have dealt with the same thing you're dealing with. They got through it by the grace of God. You can get through it by God's grace. God can give you the strength and the grace to get through that if you're asking. You're not the only person ever dealt with that situation. Just get rid of that Weed or sin of unforgiveness. Now, all of us have our own little criteria. If you do me wrong, I'll forgive you. Just like you'll forgive your wife. If you come to me and you ask my forgiveness and your voice is cracking there's a tear rolling down your face and you really look remorseful and you lower your voice and maybe stoop over just a little bit and you say brother McCormick I'm so sorry I want you to forgive me please I'll think real strong about it (laughs) Now, if you'll come right back and do that again in about 10 minutes, would you please forgive me? I'm getting better. I'm getting closer to forgiving you. But I want you to just admit you were wrong. Admit that I was right. You got to say it out loud. We have all kinds of demands that come on our, our unforgiveness. And most of them are very unreasonable. Now, in in mind, I want you to come back tomorrow and reiterate it. I want to be sure that you understand how wrong you were and how right I was. And you just keep kind of pushing the issue. Then we can get to be all right. But if you're not careful and you make any little mistake, I'm going to bring up that other knife I forgave you for. (laughs) And I'm going to tie it to this one. And after a while, we're going to have us a big old briar patch all over again. This is ringing your bell, ain't it? Amen. I can hear the dingers going off. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they're like a bunch of cows coming to the barn. Don't put demands on your forgiveness. Get rid of that weed. Pull it up and throw it away because it will destroy your relationships. Some of you in the church, you have people that you are mad with and you're holding on to it. Maybe in your family, might be in the church family. It may be your son or your daughter. Could be your mama or your daddy. Could be your brother or your sister. Get it out and get over it. Then there's the weeds of, um, that come up in our life of blindness. This weed comes in, you know better, you know how to handle the thing, but you just get blinded. You get blinded to your Bible reading, you just kind of push it aside. You get blinded to the importance of going to church, to the importance of singing, to the importance of being a part of the church family. And you get blinded to that and you get blinded to the need of confessing your sins to God and asking forgiveness and keeping a small account with God and a clean account with God. And the devil comes in and blinds you with it. A lot of times as an unsaved person, whenever I was unsaved, I had no idea how to be saved. I was totally blinded to the reality that my sins were keeping me out of heaven and that my sins had to be paid for. I was blinded to the fact that Jesus had already paid for my sins and all I had to do was ask his forgiveness except the death, burial and resurrection of Christ as the payment for my sin. I couldn't see it. I didn't know if I needed to be baptized, if I needed to carry a bag of potatoes from Jacksonville to Jacksonville Beach. I had no clue. And today, if you're sitting here and you're blinded to what it really takes to be right with Jesus, let me encourage you. Jesus loves you just like you are. Jesus died for you just like you are. Every sin that you can have or ever will commit, Jesus' blood can cleanse you from that sin. And today, don't let the devil blind you. You can come at the invitation. Somebody will take the word of God and share with you how to be saved. You can have that veil lifted from your eyes. Now, some of you are blinded of the need to join the church. You say, well, i just come and attend. I don't need to join the church. I don't need to be a part of the church family. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You need a church family. And the church family needs you. You have a talent. You have a gift that God has given you that needs to be exercised in this body of, of believers. And if you don't come do it and give your gift, for God to use. This church will never be. What it could be. If you do what you should do. Don't be blinded. To the important. Well I'm just one person. That will never make a difference. No it will. It will make a difference. Don't be blinded to it. This, the, uh, the weed of blindness comes in. And it begins to really hurt our lives. We get so blinded that we begin to compare ourselves with each other. You say, well, I'm a better Christian than they are. Or I don't do what they do. The devil has blinded you and made you feel that you should compare yourself with each other. Not true. Compare yourself with Jesus. See how you turn out. Now, you may be better than I am. You might be better than she is or he is or they are or whatever. But you not, you don't have one up on Jesus. So if you want to compare yourself, compare yourself to Jesus. Then there's the, the, the weed that comes up in our lives. And that's the weed of unrealistic expectations. Have you ever noticed how? That sometimes your expectations of things are totally unrealistic. Uh-huh. Sure. I mean, it, 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 they're sometimes just totally unreasonable. Why, I come in this morning. I'm looking for Miss Edna Smith. And I said to the one the lady sitting back there, I said, uh, have you seen Miss Edna this morning? She said, no, sir. I haven't, but she sits right there. I think that's a wonderful thing. Miss Edna's 90-some-odd years old. If she wants to sit right there, bless God, let her sit right there. Yes, I, I At the, the church we attend now, about the third or fourth Sunday we was there, I come in and I sat down. About, about where the guy back there with a the nice-looking shirt and a pretty wife. He ain't much, but... <laughs> She looks nice and a shirt nice. I sat down there. This lady come up. She said, uh, that's my seat. I jumped straight up. I'm telling you, I just jumped up. I said, ma'am, I am sorry. Bless your heart. Have a seat right here. And I grabbed my Bible and stuff. I said to my wife, we'll just move right back over there. That did not offend me one ounce. I'm telling you the truth. But I'm a Baptist preacher, pastor of the same church for 43 years. I know that people like that. I just jump up, get my Bible, go sit somewhere else. Sometimes you have unrealistic expectations. Bless God, you know that you've been sitting there. And here old Flossie has come and (laughs) flopped herself down in your seat, bless God, and now wants to just look at you. (laughs) And have you ever had this weed grow up? Huh, this one will get you too. I've been going to church over there at Temple, bless God, for three months. That preacher had not come up and spoke to me one time. In three months, he hadn't come and shook my hand and he wants me to give and tie at that church. I ain't going to, bless God tell. You. He comes and talks to me. That's right. Well, call him call the church office and ask if you can have an appointment to come and see the preacher. Dum dum. <laughs> Unrealistic expectations. I don't know if you know this or not, but if he spends one and a half minutes with 900 people. That's 1300 and something minutes or whatever it is. Divide that by 60. That takes him three days. You gonna stay that long? No, you gonna get up and go eat. He likes to eat too. I've been with him. The weeds will choke your life to death. Get them up, get them out, don't let them grow, be careful, don't expect something that is unreasonable to expect. God wants you to be reasonable in your expectations. The weeds of our lives can stifle us out and use up all the nutrition and all of the moisture that God wants us to use to grow the fruit of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit is bringing into our lives. So this morning, could I encourage you? If you're here today and you're a Christian, would you examine with open eyes, let the Holy Spirit reveal to you some of the weeds that are in your life that God is not pleased with. You're not pleased with them. You don't like them there. Then just deal with them and pull them up and get them out. Just open your heart. I had a lady come up to me after the first service this morning there. And she says, Brother McCormick, I don't know why you came or why. I think she said, I don't know why. If, I don't know if you know why you came or something like that. But that message was for me. And she named the person, not by name, but by relationship. Like a sister or brother in Anderson. She said, I've had a problem. My husband knows I have. And he was sitting there nodding his head. And she said this morning, by the grace of God, I let it go. He's been telling me just let it go. And she said, I let it go this morning. And the relief I feel. And it's all going to be all right now. And she said I learned something else this morning. She said I'm not going to go to them. And tell them that I had hard feelings. And that I forgive them. She said I'm just going to live it. In front of them. You and I could do the same thing. Right now today. Now maybe you're here. And you're a Christian. But the weeds are choking the life. The joy of your salvation is not what it ought to be. You're here and you're you're not a Christian. You've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. If you died today, you do not know that you'd go to heaven. But you can today. If you'll just get rid of that weed of procrastination. You've been putting it off and putting it off. You may need to come and join the church this morning. Don't put that off. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and then you respond to His speaking.